Welcome to Lord Lead Me. My name is Savannah and I'll be your host. This podcast is about studying God's Word and applying it to our everyday lives. I hope and pray that God uses me to share His Word with boldness and that your relationship with Jesus deepens on a whole new level. Hey, and thanks for joining me. Today's episode is about the characteristics of a godly mother. And I want to start this episode off with a prayer because I know the topic of motherhood isn't always easy for everyone. So I'm going to turn to the Lord in prayer to start this one off. Dear Lord, Thank you so much for creating mothers, and thank you for the moms who have raised their kids to know you and have spent countless hours praying over their family. Lord, I know Mother's Day isn't an easy day for everyone. Please comfort those who no longer have their moms. Please be with those who are estranged and have difficult relationships with their mothers and please fill the void for those who didn't have a good mom growing up please wrap your arms around them please lay your hand on those who are struggling with infertility and longing to fill the role of motherhood and lord please Bless the moms who have taken in the orphans and help them to teach those children about you. Please protect them and keep them safe. Give them wisdom and help every mother that out there that's listening to this to raise their children in a way that honors you so that they can know you, Lord. In Jesus' name, I ask and pray. Amen. The Bible has a ton of great examples of godly women, but here are four characteristics of godly women. Number one, a godly mother corrects her children. In Proverbs 29, 15 and 17, it says the rod and reproof Give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. Yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. Proverbs 22.15 says, Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. In Proverbs 13.24 says, He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chastiseth him betimes. And I think sometimes when we're reading scriptures like this, we keep it to that mindset where we're thinking about a literal 
us as parents and then our children if you do have children. But we also need to remember this scripture in the sense that God is the parent and we are the children. God has to chastise us and correct us to get our attention at times. And he doesn't do that because he enjoys punishing us. He does these things and has those rules and laws in place for our protection. For example, like not having sex outside of marriage. That's that's a big thing that people do. And God doesn't have that law because he doesn't want you to enjoy sex and and everything. He's not trying to like dangle that fruit that he created above you and say, well, you can't do this and this and this. He has that law because he knows the dangers of it outside of marriage when it's people who have no intention of being husband and wife. When you do that outside of marriage, you create a soul tie between two people and when that relationship falls apart and you don't get married then there's that hurt and pain there that will always be with them that they'll always look back and think you know I really wish I wouldn't have gave myself to that person because that's not who I ended up marrying and you have that emotional baggage And he has several laws that tell us what we should not do. And I think a lot of people just look at it in that negative aspect. But God is our Father, and He wants to protect us. And we have to keep that in mind when we're going through a period of God correcting us. And letting your child do anything and everything they want with no consequences, that's not love. That's leading a person down a path of destruction. And that's, again, what it says in what I just read. But a child left to himself bringeth his mother shame. Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest, and he shall give delight unto thy soul. He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chastiseth him be times. And foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. And it's not pleasant to correct our kids. It's not fun. I'm sure it's not fun for God to do it for us either. But it's necessary for us to learn and grow and to protect us from pain and hurt 
later on down the road. Okay, number two is she does what is best for her children even when it causes her pain or requires sacrifice. In First Kings, there's a story of two harlots who were living together in the same house and they were both pregnant and gave birth within three days of each other. And one lady woke up in the middle of the night and discovered her child had passed away because she had accidentally rolled over and smothered it. So in the middle of the night, she took her child and switched it with the other lady's child who was alive. And when she woke up in the morning, she discovered that her child had been switched and the other lady would not give her baby back. So they went before the king to settle this dispute. And the king heard their stories. And he said, bring me a sword. And they brought a sword before the king. And the king said, divide the living child in two and give half to one and half to the other. Then spake the woman whose the living child was unto the king. For her bowels yearned upon her son, and she said, O Lord, give her the living child, and in no way slay it. But the other said, Let it be neither mine nor thine, but divide it. Then the king answered and said, Give her the living child, and in no way slay it. She is the mother thereof, and all Israel heard the judgment which the king had judged, and they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to do judgment. So a good, godly mother will do whatever is necessary to protect her child and to maintain their well-being, regardless if they have to put themselves last. And that's what every mother should do. That's supposed to be a part of parenthood is you make sacrifices for your children so they can have a better life. And one example that comes to my mind is maybe you're thinking of going to school, but it just doesn't work with juggling kids and the husband and work and all of that stuff well maybe maybe for now you just have to put that dream of going to school on hold until your kids are a little older and more independent and maybe until they do start their own school in kindergarten pre-k and what have you that's just one example that that comes to my mind. Um, but your kids are always going to be worth investing time in and putting first. Because when you get to focusing all on yourself, everything falls apart. That's not how God built us to be. 
I remember in Sunday school when I was a little girl, they told us the acronym for joy. And joy, they told me, stood for, the J stood for Jesus, the O is for others, and the Y is you. And that's the order that we should put things into priority is Jesus, others, and ourselves. And that's always stuck with me. I remember hearing that in Sunday school, and I couldn't have been more than five years old. But for some reason, that always stuck with me, that Jesus is first, and then others, and then myself. And that's the way we're supposed to be as mothers, as wives, as, you know, employees, everything. We're supposed to put him first. And ourselves have to come after all of the other stuff. And I know that's not glamorous. And I know that's not fun. And it goes against our current culture, which is do you, for you, when you, whenever you want, all this me, 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 you stuff, this self-culture, which is so destructive. And that's been weighing on me a lot, so that might be next week's episode about the destructive nature of focusing on self. Okay, so the third characteristic is her faith is an example to her children. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, um, it was about this apostle who was reflecting on his mom, and his grandmother's faith. And when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, I am persuaded that in thee also. And I know that verse might be, you first hear it and you're just like, oh, that's not really much. But this man, this apostle, is reflecting back to his childhood and how that faith flowed through the generations, three generations to be exact. He recalls it with his grandmother Lois and then his mother Eunice. And then he said, I am persuaded that in thee also. And he talks... And he's referring to how it flows through him as well. And I want you to, if you don't already pray for your children, even if you don't have children, I encourage you to pray for them anyways. Like if you, even if you don't know if you're going to have kids yet, just pray for them. Because you never know what the future holds. 
you may never have kids. And even if you don't have kids, that's not a wasted prayer at all. God hears our prayers and he keeps them in his memory and he stores them up. But I say pray for your children, even the ones that aren't even here yet, because those prayers, God holds on to them and he keeps them. And you will be amazed at the testimonies of people who have prayed over their children. My mother-in-law prayed over my husband as soon as she found out she was pregnant. She didn't even know she had a boy yet, but she prayed over her child and she prayed while she was pregnant over her child's future spouse. And she didn't even know his gender at the time. She just prayed for the spouse. And as a child, I can honestly tell you, I felt like I had someone praying over me. And not just praying over me like my mom was praying over me, that sort of thing. I felt like there was someone I didn't know praying over me. I've always felt that over my life. When I would be in situations where, you know, I, was, I felt like, oh, I had a near-death experience. But somehow, I got through it type thing. And, the, and in those moments, I always felt like there was someone out there praying for me besides my mom and my family and when she told me that when my husband and I started dating it clicked and I had my answer on who had been praying for me my entire life and it, that's such a blessing to know that someone who had never met me was praying over me it was just such a profound feeling, and I have started doing that. My husband and I don't have children, but I pray if it's in the Lord's will for us to have children, to protect them, keep them safe, and I pray over their spouse as well. But see, her faith, my mother-in-law's faith has planted those seeds, and those seeds are going to grow and spread to the next generation. So never give up on praying for people. Don't give up praying for your family, for your children. Because you never know what kind of seeds you are planting and what a blessing those seeds will be down the road. And you may never actually get to see those seeds actually grow. It may it may happen a generation or two down the road and you're not you're not physically there to see it but plant them anyways even if you don't feel like you're going to reap those seeds reap the benefits of those seeds plant them anyways and then the next one is she cheat 
excuse me, she teaches her children how to live a life that honors God. So, I would say, and I think most people would agree, that most people learn by watching others, especially young kids. I mean, we all know if you cuss like a sailor around a kid, it's very likely they're going to start picking up some of that colorful language. So, God tells us, to not just be hearers of the word, but we should be doers as well. And then in Titus chapter 2, verses 3 and 5, it has a small description of what godly women should be like. And this is what it has to say. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not giving to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, which chaste means a virgin, refraining from sexual intercourse, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, and that the word of God be not blasphemed. So that's a pretty good, good black and white clear picture of what God wants godly women to be. He doesn't want us to be liars. He doesn't want us to be drunken wine he wants us to teach good things and it says especially it emphasizes in here by saying the young women to be sober so it's telling the older women to guide and direct the younger women there to be an example to the younger generation on how to live So, even if you don't end up being a parent, you can still be an example to the younger generation. Maybe to your nieces, nephews, the younger people in your church, your co-workers. We need to do our best to be a living example of what God says that we should be. And God doesn't expect us to be perfect. God wants us to try our best to honor Him in everything we do. And when we fail, He wants us to come to Him, to to go to Him for strength. Because we can't carry it all ourselves, but He can. And He wants us to speak The word with truth, it says to be not blasphemed. For a long time, I did not know what blasphemed meant. So I had to to Google it. 
And it blaspheme means to speak against. So he does not want us to speak against the word of God. And that's exactly what the world does. If you want to know how not to live, look at the world. Because it's full of prime examples. So those are four characteristics of a godly mother. And if you didn't grow grow up with a godly mother, it's okay. I know it doesn't feel okay that you didn't. But just because you did not grow up with a godly mother doesn't mean that you're doomed and that you're going to follow that same path. You can be a godly mother, even if you did not have one. And if you did have a godly mother, that's wonderful. And I'm so glad that you did. And I'm so glad that you're here listening, regardless of what type of mother you had. I'm glad you're here listening. I'm so glad to have you be a part of this. I hope that this gives you a little better insight on what God is calling us to be as mothers when the time comes in our life. And that we will always turn to Him for guidance on how to be a good mother. And my friend who is a parent to one and a stepmom to four. Um, she was recently giving me some words of wisdom um, since my stepbrother has come to live with us. And I was talking to her about, you know, I was like, I'm, so, I'm just so, I'm afraid I'm going to mess him up. And she was like, you know what? As a parent, we all mess up eventually. She's like, it's just going to happen. You can't be the perfect parent. Things are not going to go as planned. But we just have to do the best we can, own up to our mistakes, apologize, and teach them about God and, and let him do the rest. That's all we can do. So, I hope you guys have a great Mother's Day, and if Mother's Day isn't a joyous day for you, I hope that the Lord can heal you of that. I hope he wraps his arms around you and gives you comfort and peace, and I pray that he sends a good motherly influence in your life. I know I am certainly blessed with a mother-in-law who has filled that gap in my life. She's such a blessing. I, I tell people all the time, um, next to my husband, she's my second biggest fan. She's has so much 
spiritual wisdom. I can go to her and talk about anything. And and she'll say, well, the Bible says this. And we can just discuss things. And I'm just so blessed to have her in my life. She's been the mother that I have needed desperately. And I'm just so thankful for her. And I know she's probably listening. Because like I said, she's my second biggest fan besides my husband. So thank you so much, Tina, for listening and supporting me. I love you so much. But uh, thank you guys for joining me. And I will talk to you guys next week.